women are making inroads into executive positions in supply chain management, but they've got a long way to go before achieving parity. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. When it comes to gender imbalance in management positions, the supply chain sector is hardly unique. Over the last few years, however, we've seen gradual progress in the hiring and advancement of women throughout the industry. Today, I'll explore the issue of women in supply chain with the help of a fellow podcaster. She is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, founder and host of the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast, as well as CEO of SHIPS. Sarah will share her own story of growing up in logistics, which happens to have been the family business. She'll also relate the experiences of successful women to who she's spoken on her podcast as part of her continuing series on women in supply chain. We'll assess the progress made so far toward the creation of true diversity in the world of logistics and supply chain, talk about the importance of mentors, and hear advice on how to promote the advancement of women in the industry. So here is my conversation with Sarah Barnes-Humphrey. Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, welcome to the show. Hi, I am so excited to be here, Bob. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. How great to have you on the other side of the mic. It's fun to be able to talk to you. You, of course, are the founder and host of your own podcast, the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast. So let's talk supply chain from a particular standpoint of women, the progress of women in the industry. But first of all, I want to start by asking you, can you remember the first time you heard the phrase or the words supply chain? Well, it's interesting because I did a little bit of digging on this for a post that I posted last week, and it said that supply chain is from the 80s. But I actually don't remember hearing it, obviously, until I got into working. And that would have been in the 2000s, I think. Yeah, I can't put my finger on when I first heard it. It might have been the 90s? I'm not sure, because as you know, we used to talk about physical distribution, and then it became logistics, and then it became supply chain. And when exactly that happened, I'm not sure, but I'm just wondering when it came on your radar, you think it was in the aughts, right? Yeah, well, my background is in logistics, and supply chain sort of crept in there, yeah, I would say probably late 2000s Mm, would be about right. So Mm -hmm. what was your original ambition? What did you think you wanted to do with your life when you were younger? I wasn't entirely sure, to be honest with you. I took a look at some of the college and university courses and decided that I didn't want to spend my money there because I wasn't entirely sure of what I wanted to do. So I went into the family business and I decided that I would take some courses by correspondence And I ended up with a real passion for logistics and supply chain. And so over 10 years, I was able to do my college and university courses, and I was able to get some trade designations as well. So that's sort of how that came about. Well, what was the family business? Yeah, so my dad owned a private 3PL company just outside of Toronto. 
And so I started off as reception and really just worked my way through. So I was one of the lucky ones to have the hands-on experience working in operations, working in trucking. I was working in ocean freight, air freight, and then eventually sales and then into some director roles. And that took me about 20 years. That, that was 20 years of my career. But again, as I was having my hands-on experience in operations and then eventually sales and marketing and director level, I was also continuing my education and I was able to get my designation, my trade designations. One was in freight forwarding and the other was in international trade, which is my CITP designation with the Forum for International Trade Training. So you're a child of the logistics business from day one. Nobody had to tell you what a 3PL was, right? In fact, <laughs> no. you didn't discover logistics. Logistics discovered you. Yeah. And I think it was in my blood from when I was younger, just listening to the conversations at the dinner table. So where did you go to school actually for this? So again, I did it all by correspondence. So I did it through a few different colleges, depending on the courses. I did the freight forwarding courses directly with CIFA, which is the Canadian International Freight Forwarding Association. And then again, my international trade designation through the Forum for International Trade Training. So you stayed with the family business for how long? Over 20 years. And then what happened? Then you decided it was time to strike out for new pastures or what exactly? Well, so in my last year and a half, I was director of sales and marketing and I decided I wanted to be a bit of a trailblazer in marketing in our space because I wasn't really happy with everything that was going on in the space. The companies weren't really embracing what marketing and social media could do for companies. And so I started the podcast. And when I started the podcast, we came up with this brazen name called Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, and it was literally a marketing yeah. experiment. It got some attention in a male-dominated industry. My co-host was male, so it kind of made it funny. And we just sort of took it from there, and it kind of snowballed. And then once I left that position as director of sales and marketing, I took the podcast on as my own. And I continued it. I knew that I wanted to recognize women in supply chain. So I started the Women in Supply Chain series. But then women weren't really recognizing the name. They didn't really like the name so much. So I ended up rebranding it as Let's Talk Supply Chain in about a week, which I don't recommend to anybody because that was probably one of the craziest weeks of my life. Just the rebranding effort, just getting people to realize it's still you. You couldn't call it One Babe Talk Supply Chain. Huh? <laughs> no, not no, exactly PC so. for our times. Well, I didn't think it would go over very well. I want to back up for a moment, Sarah, that during that time with the family, I mean, it's a little bit different than having to be out there in the world without the family having your back, so to speak. But were you the only woman or one of the few women in the business at the time? And did you face any discrimination or any difficulties you felt based on your gender? I definitely did, but it wasn't just based on gender. It was also based on my age because you got to realize that I started in the industry very young and worked my way up. So I was hitting milestones. I had bosses in between. So I wasn't just getting promoted by the family. I was getting promoted by people within. Sometimes with age, you're not ready. You're too young. So it wasn't just gender. It was age as well. And there was a few different things. But my mom was head of HR. And she was really somebody that I could look up to. 
in that role, that director role, that C-suite role, and as owner of the company. So she was really a role model for me. But we had a lot of women in operations, but we didn't have a lot in director roles and C-suite roles. Outside of your mother as a direct role model, were there any other women out there at the time who inspired you either in the company or out there in the world that you look to as models that you could model yourself on? During that time, I would say Caroline Tompkins. She's the president of FIT, and her and I really created a very good rapport because I started volunteering and doing different things with FIT because I saw how important it was to supply chain to have the knowledge, the background, and the designation in international trade because it not only helps you on the logistics side, it also helps you to see things from a point of view of a customer. And for me in sales at the time, it was very, very important to me and I love the organization. So she would be one that I would say that I, I definitely looked up to. Did you find acceptance on the customer side when you're going out there in the world meeting with the customers? Were there any issues with your gender there, or was it simply like, here's a capable person from a great company? I would get that sometimes. I did run into a few issues being a woman. I had some awkward moments, let's just put it that way. But it was very male-dominated. I mean, 90% of the customers that I was meeting with were men. And so you really had to show two times as much, I guess, that you knew what you were talking about, you knew what you could do for the company and how you could help and partner with them to make sure that their logistics needs were met. I didn't play golf, so I had to find other ways to really establish that relationship. So you got the podcast and you started the, your own series of women in logistics, women in supply chain. Were women telling you stories that, that you were familiar to you? Basically, they were saying the same kinds of stories that you had experienced, or were you surprised by the stories that they told you as you engaged them in conversation? We have similar stories, but we have a lot of stories that are different as well. I think that everybody's journey to success, everybody's path is a lot different. And I really believe that each person, whether you're man or woman, brings something unique to the table when you're talking about journeys and paths and stories to success. I can give you a couple of examples. So I interviewed Ellen from Women in Trucking. And I learned that it is possible to make a difference and also to get a show on Sirius XM, which is one of my goals. I really want to get a show on Sirius XM as well. And then you've got Lillian Dukes and Sheila Benny, and their episodes are about giving back to the community, not only your business community, but also your personal community and making sure that you have enough time in your day to be able to do that, especially on the business side. They were talking about how mentorship is so, so very important to encourage other women to be a part of this industry. Because not every woman has her mother <laughs> standing behind her as their automatic <laughs> mentor. You have to find them in the company. And I guess sometimes for women coming up in this business in, in past years, that mentor might have been a man. I suppose it might have had to have been a man considering the paucity of women in high executive positions, right? Yeah, absolutely. I had a couple of experiences with some of the women on my show that did say that a lot of the mentorship did come from men as they were going up in the industry. Like Ashley Duchek, she was talking about, I think it was William Sonoma, and she had a great mentor, and he was male. 
and really helped her to take the risks that she needed to take in her journey. And then, like, I've had Catherine Cooper. She was on the show, and she was talking about don't keep score, and she talks about she wanted to figure out whether she should learn how to play golf just to be able to establish relationships the same way that a male would and whether she really needed to do that or not. What was the conclusion? Her conclusion was that she didn't, that she could find other ways to really get to know and establish relationships, but also to not keep score. So not take a look at that as the men going out for a golf game as a one-upper. Hmm, interesting, because business is done on the golf course, and it's done in the, it's done in the exclusive clubs that either obviously don't allow women in or subtly don't allow women in, and a lot of business happens there, too. And so how do you make up for the fact that you're not there in the room with these guys drinking and doing business at the same time they're smoking cigars or whatever? Yeah, and I think that's changing a lot. I think the way that you can combat that, too, is through conferences, networking. Go and meeting your customer where they are. And you can take them out for a drink. You can go and have that meal. It doesn't necessarily have to be on the golf course. And like I said, I think things are changing a little bit as well, especially with margins being as slim as they are, not having that same expense that maybe you're used to, because I think that's affecting the men in this business as well. Now, because supply chain does not have the high profile of the general public, Perhaps that's one reason why we haven't heard the Me Too stories in supply chain. But there must be some. And I'm wondering how important is it to highlight those? Should we be focusing on that type of behavior by men in order to correct it? Or should we be forging forward instead? Uh, what's your feeling about the importance of, of uncovering that type of behavior in this industry? I definitely think that there are going to be stories of that for most women in the industry. I know for myself, I have my own stories of that. I'm not sure for me whether it is important to focus on the past rather than focusing on the future. Recognizing women, being able to recognize them, give them a platform to really tell their stories. If they do want to talk about that part of their stories and share that so that they can inspire others and let them know that they've been there too, I think that that's okay as well. I don't condone the behavior. I think that obviously we need to get away from that behavior and we need to make it known that it's just not okay. But again, I think that if we can bring more women into our industry, into the C-suite, into the director level, and we can have more influence, I think that we can make a better pathway for other women or younger women coming into the industry. How do we do that, Sarah? How do we attract more women into this industry, especially to the executive suites? Well, I think that mentorship is one of them. I think that women themselves need to be able to take risks and really work on their success mindset, work on that self-doubt, because a lot of women won't take that risk because they don't think that they have the knowledge or the experience. Whereas other men will take the risk, even if they think that they're at 50% of that experience and knowledge for that position. And I think we need to encourage more women to do that. I mean, a stat from 2017 says women only account for less than a quarter of management positions globally. And so I truly believe that female talent is definitely, definitely underused. 
And studies show that women in director positions, C-suite positions, they increase productivity, they bring greater innovation, better productivity as well, better decision-making, higher employee retention and satisfaction, which is a really, really big one because the younger generation that is coming into our industry, they want to be a part of something. They want to feel like they're making a difference and employee retention and satisfaction is going to be a huge component of that. Women also bring increased financial performance as well to a company. So ways that we can do that is to promote a welcoming culture as a company, as a corporation. I think that that's really going to help to bring women to the forefront, encourage them to take risks, encourage them to apply for positions, invest in companies that champion diversity. Diversity is a really, really big thing these days, and it's a really hot topic, and we're all talking about it. Have champions in your company that are willing to mentor, whether it's male, whether it's female, and champion that diversity to make sure that women feel comfortable, everybody feels comfortable. One example is I have a large company and their mandate is that they cannot speak on a panel that is not diverse. Making a stand like that is really, really, really important to the culture and to bringing women into the industry. And make results public. Make your leaders visible and inspire others. Yeah, that's especially important, I think, because we can listen to the horror stories, which will educate us on the sexism in the industry. But isn't it just as important, if not more important, to listen to the success stories? Because the women who have succeeded, if they step out and tell their stories, that has got to be the most inspiring thing to younger women coming up, don't you think? Absolutely. And that's why I started the Women in Supply Chain series. The amount of younger women, the amount of younger female professionals coming into supply chain that reach out to me and say that Catherine's story touched them, Irina's story touched them, and it touches them in different ways. And they are able to give different advice that will resonate with different women. And that's why I've expanded that series into a blog series so that I can recognize more women on a monthly basis. And we have to reach down into the universities and even below that into the high schools in order to help correct this attitude and encourage more women to pursue these paths, even if it's not their family business, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. Well, this is fascinating, Sarah. I'm so glad that you have focused on this issue on your podcast, on the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast and the women in supply chain part of that and the blog as well. I'm going to link to both of those in the show notes to this episode, but I want to thank you so much, Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, for joining me today to talk about this and your own story as well as the story of other women, really inspiring this idea that we can go forward with more diversity and more representation in this vital industry. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for highlighting such an important topic in this industry. Thank you so much for having me and for allowing me to be a part of that. That was my conversation with podcaster and blogger Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, talking about the progress and prospects of women in supply chain. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. 
Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.